Global Business News 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. We have got 13 minutes to go ahead of the close here. The Dow uh, remaining higher, off its session high, but on track for a record close, up 78 now again. There are four-tenths of 1%. The S&P just turning negative. It is down a point. Also, little change, but down a point. NASDAQ higher by five, on track for a record close now at 64.17, a gain there of one-tenth of one percent. Federal Reserve today holding rates steady and signaling it will start unwinding its balance sheet, quote, relatively soon. The 10-year up 14.30 seconds, yield there 2.28 percent. Gold up 8.90 the ounce now to 12.61, up seven-tenths of one percent. West Texas intermediate crude up 80 cents uh, the ounce, uh, the, the barrel, I should say, on crude, 48.68 on WTI. That is a gain there of 1.7. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. All right, Charlie, thank you very much. It is time for the Bloomberg ETF report brought to you by BlackRock. Worried about market volatility? Minimum volatility strategies may be able to help. To learn more, please visit BlackRock.com slash factors prepared by BlackRock Investments, LLC. Here with the Bloomberg ETF report, Bloomberg's Jenna Dagenhart. A smart beta fixed income ETF came to market in July. You'll find it under the ticker HYDB. We've seen smart beta investing become popular in the equity world with a focus on quality or value or minimum volatility. HYDB takes a spin on the popular HYG ETF from iShares, but with more of a fundamental approach. Todd Rosenbluth runs ETF research at CFRA. It focuses on characteristics such as quality and value and will hopefully deliver you know, a, a better experience in a, in a more defensive world of high-yield investing. At 35 basis points, it's also cheaper than HYG. The price point is appealing. I think that the more fundamental approach to high-yield investing, focusing on reducing the default risk, is particularly important in the high-yield space. Um, I think it's a product that investors should take a look at as it ages a little bit more. I'm Jenna Dagenhart, and that's your Bloomberg ETF report. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets with Carol Masser and Corey Johnson on Bloomberg Radio. I'm certain, honey, life would be sunny with plenty of money and you. Plenty of money on the Fed's balance sheet, uh, but that might not be the case for a long time. Darren Sheetlight joins us right now, the Managing Director of Private Client Reserve at the U.S. Bank. Uh, and, David, I wonder what you make of all the information we got from the Fed today. Well, I think the the Fed is starting to signal that they're moving into a yield curve management program, if you will. Um, it seems like the possibility of a Fed funds rate hike is starting to perhaps wane a little bit in, in December, yet uh, we're still on track to start moving forward with balance sheet reduction. Those two taken in concert effectively steepens uh, the yield curve, uh, and this, this actually makes sense because it increases – you know, bank propensity to lend without necessarily further stoking inflation fears down the road. So I think the Fed is looking, you know, to keep the yield curve steep um, and uh, avoid sort of that flattening out or, or, or even inverted yield curve, which could portend a recession. David, what's more important to you right now? Uh, is it monetary policy and what the Fed does and what the trajectory is maybe for the rest of the year? Or is it what we're seeing in terms of the earnings cycle and momentum? 
everything comes down to earnings. So all the other things we talk about are inputs into earnings. So at the end of the day, earnings are what it's about, which is why, um, you know, the last <laughs> the last five minutes uh, notwithstanding, uh, the market reaction to the Fed was, was frankly uh, kind of muted. We didn't see a whole lot of uh, direction concerted in either way. Uh, you know, we're seeing a beat rate on the S&P 500 this earnings cycle coming in around 75%, which I believe is a record since we've been tracking that number about 10 years now. Um, Year-over-year earnings growth, uh, earnings growth uh, north of 7%. These things combined with, you know, some strengthening global economic momentum does give justification for these lofty valuations we've seen lately. Is the beat significant? I mean, is is what's more important in net income growth, not uh, surprising analysts? Well, a net income growth is, again, it's an input uh, into the final factor, in my opinion, which is uh, the earnings number. Uh, and the earnings growth rate, um, last time I checked, was uh, good but not great. And that is... Exactly my point. Go ahead. Exactly my point. Yeah, exactly. So can it portend to earnings growth slowing uh, next quarter? Yeah, you know, we, we could see uh, a continuation of the decline of growth rate. We saw a very handsome quarter Q1. It looks like we're going to come in at a very nice quarter in Q2, uh, and maybe we moderate here in Q3 with something around a 4 or 5% earnings growth rate. What's your approach to investing in the market right now? Well, we, we're still uh, relatively constructive on stocks with uh, a, a, an acknowledgement that um, caution should abound uh, in the short term. In the intermediate and long term, we do believe that earnings and economic momentum, low inflation, everything that is fundamentally underpinning stocks provides good support in the long run. In the short run, however, we are seeing a very complacent market right now, uh, and complacency, frankly, scares me. Um, We're seeing, uh, for instance, on the S&P 500, um, 90-day put protection at the money is running less than 2%. I think it's about 1.7%. So basically, puts are very, very, very inexpensive, historically speaking. That's that's a pretty high degree of complacency right now. Uh, Complacency or, or bearishness? Well, it's complacency in the sense that people aren't bidding up the price of insurance. People aren't right. paying much for insurance because they don't fear the markets. What are you fearful of? Uh, well, we've been in such a low-vol environment for such a long time. I don't want to see perhaps investors get caught flat-footed if there is perhaps, uh, say, a shock that came out of Washington or a geopolitical shock. We've seen a lot of theaters around the world that could provide a geopolitical shock, whether it be North Korea, whether it be the South China Sea, whether it be Russia, uh, as well as political shocks coming out of Washington. Um, to date, the market has kind of brushed these things off. If one of them came to actual fruition, um, the market could have a pretty significant movement. But again, in the long run, the underpinnings of the market are still very solid in the long run. 
Um, what are the risks, short-term risks that you might see in terms of rather, you know, you, you mentioned the short-term risks that are expressed by complacency, but what are the things that could could jar the market to make that complacency mistake? Well, if the uh, if the tensions with uh, North Korea boiled over and we actually saw any kind of military action, um, that would go from something that uh, the market has brushed off in terms of uh, just talk so far into reality. That is something that could uh, uh, shock the market in a negative sense. Uh, if there were a mistake uh, or a miscalculation between uh, opposing forces in the South China Sea or uh, some of these things we've seen with uh, uh, close encounters of military aircraft or military uh, uh, assets uh, in the South China Sea, those could boil over into something that could provide a little bit of, uh, or a lot, excuse me, of volatility in the markets. So these are the types of things that we all know are out there, uh, but today date, none of them have actually uh, happened in an acute sense, so the market tends to blow off the uh, the rhetoric around it. All right. Thank you, David. Appreciate your time uh, on this uh, Wednesday. David Shigalite, he is Managing Director of Investments at the Private Client Reserve of U.S. Bank, $142 billion in assets under management, based in Newport Beach, uh, California. Finding him on the phone uh, there on this Wednesday. Quick check on the markets. Just a few minutes left to go in today's trading session. We've got the Dow Jones Industrial Average up uh, just roughly 90 points, again, a four-tenths of a percent. The S&P, Corey, call it unchanged right now, just down about a fraction of a point uh, as we get near the close here. And the NASDAQ, better by about seven points, up one-tenth of one percent. If I take a look at the overall trade for the day, Definitely off our best levels of the session and just coming off our lows. But we've got the the closing bell on Wall Street coming your way right here on Bloomberg Radio.